It's Monday, November 9th, 2020, and I'm back with another trail talk. With so much going on, I have a few thoughts on my mind, and I want to be of service and share things that are helpful and working for me right now. So on this trail talk episode today, I'm going to talk about false positives, shenanigans, and same-sex attraction, SSA. That's what I used to call myself. I struggle with SSA. So I'm also super excited because today's Trail Talk episode, it features somebody else. Oh, I'm so excited to share with you one of my wise friends. She belongs to a sacred circle. I meet every Friday for an hour with four other humans, spiritual warriors, We've been meeting online at Zoom since March, pretty much every week, and we talk about our spiritual path. It's a sacred circle, and this is one of my sacred circle wise friends. Her name is Daniela, and she is going to read our first poem of the episode. So mm, I'm super excited to share this juicy poem, and The other exciting part of today's episode is I'm going to do a little vulnerable sharing on a very poignant topic. I decided to reach out to one of my friends, one of my close friends in my circle who voted for Trump, and to start the process of something that I wear on my wrist. I have a bracelet or a cuff on my wrist that represents a bridge. And it's a metaphor that I took on from a beautiful talk I heard at Oprah's Super Soul session several years ago live. And it wasn't from Oprah, it was one of her speakers. The idea is beautiful, which is in order to bridge the divide, we have to be willing to come out from our side and stand on the bridge and invite someone else from the island across the way to come out to the center of the bridge and to meet us there together face to face. And I wanted to practice and take an action, taking action into action. That's the mantra that I'm also going to share with you today. So stay tuned for a fantastic trail talk. Welcome to Viral Mindfulness, the podcast. Welcome to Viral Mindfulness, the podcast. I'm your host, Alexander Smith. Some people call me Mr. Blue. Either way, I'm looking to be your spiritual muse. And what I love about this poem is that it's a reminder of the the tribe that we actually all belong to. Um, So this is the, the poem. It's by a woman named Shannon Wills. So I voted today. I dropped my heart into the ballot box and cast my vote for the world I want to see. I voted for country over party and planet over country. I voted for everyone and their dog. I voted for the ancestors and the dreams they prayed we would fulfill. I voted for the children carnivals and innocence and joy. I voted for the elders, soft wisdom, busy hands weaving webs of time. 
I voted for the divine feminine to rise again and take her throne. I voted for the moon. I voted for owls and crows and croaking toads and ancient forests teeming with life. I voted for the great spirit to guide us toward our rightful place at the feet of the sacred through the gates of conscience that we may find our way back home. And of course, I voted for love. Now what to do but wait for the ballots to be counted. Meanwhile, rivers roar, bones rattle, past and future ages hold their breath. They are waiting to see if our hearts will reawaken. Eyes open and ears pricked forward, songs on the tips of their tongues, ready to welcome us back to the chorus of life. I voted today. I voted for you and me, free. I voted that we'll make it back home together, alive. Makes me cry every time. <laughs> I'm crying. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. I'll always remember that moment. How awesome. So I wanted to give you a suggestion right here. This would be a great idea, I think, for any one of you. If you're looking for an accountability partner, a just one-on-one, -on -one, one person to partner up with, uh, it could be three of you. It could be a small group. It could be on topics such as coping with grief, coping with 2020, the aftermath of the election, spirituality, depression, anxiety, entrepreneurship, growing your online business, how to do things online, recovery, uh, mental health, exercise, nutrition. I am telling you, I have several different accountability groups, um, mentors, this spiritual sacred circle. I'm telling you, it's such a gift. And one of the things we do that's really helpful is each person gets a certain amount of time. So there's five of us, we take an hour, 10 minutes is for talking, greetings, hello, any business. And then we usually sit in silence. We do every time for four or five minutes timed. And then everyone gets 10 minutes. And I set a timer, it goes, then it, it alarms at the end of the time. And you get used to it. And in those 10 minutes, whoever's time it is, they can share, they can process, they can ask questions, they can, they can stop it for with four minutes left and ask for feedback. It's super, super helpful. Highly recommend it. I also just picked up two new accountability partners over the weekend and into today to check in on meditation, daily meditation, to check in on my hours, completing two hours, well, 10 hours a week um, for Viral Mindfulness Academy and completing tasks related to all the things. And I've been in touch with both of those friends and it's really great. All right, story time. So I was thinking about this story a few days ago and 
I recently heard a doctor, a sociologist, this was on NPR, Fresh Air with Terry Gross, and this author and teacher said, what we need right now is leadership. We need people who are leaders to help other people come to grips with what's happening. And he's referring specifically to COVID-19, to the virus, which is SARS-2, and to the economy, the crisis, the epidemic, what's coming over the next several years based off of where we're at right now in a massive third surge. And what I heard was Alexander. (laughs) Why don't you step up as a social worker, since that is your education and your profession, that you are versed in that model? And why don't you talk a little bit more about grief and about coming to terms with difficult things? And so here I am. And I want to tell you about a false positive in my life. I had forgotten about this. And in 2003, when I tested positive for HIV, I received my results at the Utah AIDS Foundation. And mind you, I had waited for two weeks. It wasn't a rapid test, nor was it a blood test. It was a swab in the mouth. And they were testing the antibodies developing in my system against the virus. And so they came back reactive or positive. And so they suggest that I'm HIV positive. And it was their standard to then invite me in the next week to the health department to draw blood and to do a confirmatory blood draw test to confirm. So when I went in the next week to meet with the lovely woman at the health department, she was nice. And she had been doing this for years. She was like the main health department person who delivered reactive, positive results to hundreds, thousands probably, and saw so much. She was in the epidemic and the early years of HIV AIDS. So this is 2003. And she said some things to me. Well, basically what she said to me was that my sex life would be mutual masturbation, which is a terrible thing to say even in 2003, because it's not true. And it was very heartbreaking to me since I wasn't someone who had at that point made love or had sex with someone I truly loved. In addition, she also said the one thing, the false positive. And that is, I mean, we talked about a lot of things. And part of why I was also at her office was to give her partner notification. We were talking about specific partners that I may have put at risk. And she was helping me identify a list and was volunteering her efforts to anonymously reach out to them. And I made the decision to reach out to my own people. And then she followed up with me. But so much we discussed, so many tears again. And the one thing I grabbed onto so tightly was the false positive. She said just the truth. It has happened before that 
a false positive comes back and then they draw the blood like she was doing with me and it comes back HIV negative for the viral load test and there's no virus and it was a false positive and I jumped on that. So of course for whatever the week or 10 days before she confirmed, I was sure. I was sure that I was a false positive. I just knew it. Once it came back as a confirmed positive and the viral load had been detected, the viral load of the copies of the virus, then I, I'm sure I spent weeks, if not months, still fantasizing and being in denial and hoping and attaching to that idea that they're, they're no, 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 false, this is a false positive. It, it can be for me. And of course, the next steps over those next few weeks and months were me then getting into treatment with a doctor. And from there, they were testing my viral load and my immune system strength, my CD4 T cell count. And we were starting medications and I did not want to be on medications. And I had a very strong reaction for the first round of, of antiretrovirals. And so to stop there, the false positive is the point. And even from there, I was in denial in some ways. I pushed that down and took meds, got on treatment, eventually found a cocktail that worked. But it's like that false positive turned into like a shape-shifting, a trickster turned into a coyote. So this brings me to the word shenanigans. We heard the word shenanigan from Donald Trump last week. I looked up the word shenanigan and it says deceit and trickery. And that false positive just sank into the depth of me to my bones to the just took on its own form and morphed into some strategy. And until 2008, when I developed AIDS, so that was five years, I was not okay with HIV. I could not find gratitude for antiretrovirals. I was sure there was a mistake. I was sure that I could cure it, that I could use the law of attraction or the secret to make it go away, to manifest and be this cure. And I, I, it's all perfect because, you know, I'm just like any one of you, and I'm sure you're listening to this thinking, how interesting. And so where I want to go with this is, of course, back to 2020, where we are. I understand that it's difficult to accept a lot of what's happening to us. This author that I heard talking about COVID said that he has seen in the research that any time an epidemic or a pandemic has come, what travels with that spreading of the virus or the disease or the plague is lies and deceit. I'm adding the word trickery and I'm adding the word shenanigans. That's right, shenanigans. So there's a second shenanigan I played on myself. Uh, tricked myself, deceived myself. And I think that's another um, aspect of it is not only can we be deceived and tricked by others, but how do we deceive and trick ourselves? And for almost 29 years, 
And of course, it wasn't those entire 29, but the last 10 from 20 to about 29. I believed that I had same-sex attraction. (laughs) There's a joke from one of my friends, Melinda. We were really close friends and I wanted to date her. And we actually kind of did date for a period of a few months. And she asked me, well, don't you like dudes? Don't you like guys? And I'm like, no. And then she's like, aren't you gay? And I'm like, no. No. And I just said no, because I did not feel like I was lying. And eventually then when she found out I was attracted to men, she's like, you lied to me. I'm like, I didn't. I have same sex attraction. I have, I have a struggle. And I have a temptation for, for men. And she was just like, what are you talking about? You lied to me. I'm like, no, I'm not gay. And And it's, I mean, hindsight is gorgeous, but that's, that's definitely some shenanigans going on people. And, um, you know, I don't need to even say anymore. So let's move right along to the next idea. So as we're looking at the after the after results and the, the, here we are Monday, November 9th, and there are a lot of people who believe that there are fraud and things happening with the votes. And not to mention a lot of other ideas that are circulating around. So I want to read to you something that one of my dear poet authors, Terry Tempest Williams, or TTW, wrote on her Instagram. Okay, so on her Instagram, she says, a moment to reflect on. Grateful for the record voter turnout, relieved, this was five days ago, relieved Biden appears to be in the lead and will blessedly be our next president, and committed to doing the hard work ahead, knowing half our fellow citizens think very differently than we do. I want to explore, listen, and find out why. They are not outside us. They are family and neighbors and members of our communities who voted for sustaining racism, cruelty, corruption, and ongoing practices and policies of violence against people and the planet. This I do not understand. Seeking the long view. Take special care, everyone. Much we can see and much we cannot. Maybe some rough days ahead. For me, it's not about staying calm, but staying engaged. So I've had time to really think about this, and I've had time to travel through several more days to Monday, and I think there's some really great points here to stay engaged and to look at the hard work ahead, knowing that I don't think it's half. I think this idea that we keep splitting it in half doesn't really work for me anymore. I think it's not true. Thank you to a couple one particular friend who called me on that, Michael, thank you. I, if you look at the votes, I mean, there is a good percentage of Americans that didn't vote. So whatever that percentage of people is, they didn't vote. So then you take the 145, 40 to 50 million votes, and that's a percentage of the United States. And what about all those under the age of 18 and all the young teenagers, the young adults, the children, all those who didn't vote. 
So we're looking at percentages. It's not all of our neighbors, not to mention this morning, I listened to a very, very interesting interview on the Daily and the New York Times where they talked to both sides of the equation, getting people's stories of how they're feeling about the election. It was super interesting to listen to, to hear, of course, people like me, I can understand, I relate, I feel relieved, I feel joyful. I'm like, this is rad. I'm so grateful. I'm so happy. I was so moved to hear Biden and Harris speak on Saturday night. I felt so excited to be texting my tribe and my friends and only one family member in my large family. And it was moving. And then on the daily this morning, they're talking about some of the interviews are people who voted for Trump and how they feel. And I was just listening and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, right. So this is this is a pickle, a predicament. This is a conundrum. So the other thing I like about what TTW says is that they are not outside us. They are family and neighbors and members of our community. And she's pretty opinionated about who voted for sustaining racism, cruelty, corruption, and ongoing practices and policies of violence against people on the planet. And I do agree with that on so many levels. However, there seems to be a difficult part of that because people that I've talked to who voted for Trump in my family, they feel like Trump is doing those things, that the administration and the things that have been accomplished are doing many of those things. I don't understand it. I've looked into it and I've researched it. However, what I want to share next to you is, you know, I took the challenge this morning. I've had a few days to really kind of cry and dance and love and live and practice yoga and deconstruct and just everything. And by this morning, I, first of all, talked to one of my accountability partners yesterday, and we decided that we were going to get into action. And we were, I, I decided that I want to be engaged like Terry Tempest Williams suggested, I want to be a participant instead of a spectator in politics. I want to hold people accountable and be accountable and engaged here in my community. And I want to get into action. I want to keep moving, keep painting. If you listen to my last trail talk just on Friday, you can learn more about the word keep. And I want to stay in action. Because action to me is a very pivotal focus right now. So today, I thought about what am I going to do about all of this, these people in my life who voted for Trump, who I'm having a hard time interacting with them. And I'm aware that there's a division and all these issues. So I thought, well, why don't I just try it out? Why don't I reach out to one of my favorite people who voted for Trump, who is one of the closest people in my life. And I'll start there. It was my turn to call. I gave a phone call. I talked to this friend and we had a really interesting hour and 10 minute talk. I mean, we had a great talk and I pushed to follow up and ask specifically how she was doing 
since the election and her thoughts and her feelings. And then she opened up and I started to listen. And she is really concerned about all of these stories about voter fraud and um, worried about why is it that, you know, Donald Trump has been, you know, was silenced last week on networks and social media. So I got into the thing again, and I I was like, I'm here to listen, and I'm here to try and understand how this person in my life is feeling. And then after she talked for a bit, she very quickly said, well, what, what about you? And I was like, whoa, before I, I, don't, I mean, I, I want to stay with you. I just want to acknowledge, you know, what you're going through. And she talked some more, and then we kind of started talking, and I just, I I don't even know how to do it, to be honest with you. So what I did do was I just said, you know, I don't know, like, it's not what I see at all. And I, if you look at the allegations, and if you look at these legal cases, none of them are, are following through. And like what you're talking about, I just, I don't even know, you know, you know, whether you voted for Trump, whether you voted for Biden, whether you didn't vote, you just know, because we're all in this together. So to wrap this up, I already gave you some nuggets. The only thing I can come come into awareness with is that part of being on the bridge, part of coming out from my side of the planet, so a bridge connects two pieces of land that are separated by water or canyon or uh, There's a huge separation and divide. And if both parties are willing to come out onto the bridge and stand there and engage, that to me is a very humble, vulnerable, brave thing to do. And by the end of this conversation, there was a lot of love and a lot of kindness, and we were able to hear and talk. And one of the things that I realized that this this person in my life believes in certain values that are related to this, her vote to Donald Trump, to the administration, to what this party stands for. She has beliefs in God and religion, and all of these things are interconnected, just like the world that I live in. And they literally are totally divided, and we live on two pieces of land. And I thought, how do I do this? I mean, I've been doing this with my family on the topic of homosexuality for my entire life. So I thought, how has that played out? Like, what clues, what blues clues? That's right. I'm looking for blues clues. And then I started to reflect and remember throughout the day. When people have a belief in God, and God tells them that, well, And their belief is is that God, you know, that marriage is between a man and a woman. Trying to tell them otherwise is very difficult. Or trying to even suggest that there is, you know, another option that is sanctioned is very difficult. It doesn't mean that they can't love me. In fact, they do. So let me share an example specifically. 
a few years ago, my oldest brother and I had a conversation. This was after many conversations, many angry ones I had, especially when I was very rampant in my drug use. By this point, I had sobered up. By this point, we were talking real. And he and I were having this conversation. I said, look, I know what you believe. He's like, no, you don't. What do you mean you know what I believe? I'm like, dude, I belonged to this church for 29 years and I literally studied it to death. I know this doctrine inside and out. I was an active member, a temple goer, a teacher of gospel doctrine. I studied and studied and studied until finally I sank into my heart and my body and the truth of who I am as a gay human being. It's not a choice. This is part of who I am and it's fucking beautiful. So I said to him, he's like, well, what do I believe? I'm like, and I told him. And basically one of the main things I said is, look, when push comes to shove, your doctrine on the deep level of covenants and in this temple is that marriage is ordained between a man and a woman. There's no other option. There's options for people to get married civilly. There's options for people to be gay and to not act on them. They've since changed some of those, that language and those suggestions. I said, look, I know you love me. You probably love me more than you love a lot of people. And I feel that. But ultimately, there's this divide. And what I'm learning is that I don't need to get rid of it. What if it's okay? For there to be space between us, just a small space, a space where we live, you know, like maybe 2% of the 100%. So 98% were on the same page, 2% were not. Like, why am I so obsessed? So then this is me coming into my own thoughts. Why am I so obsessed about having to bridge this, all of it, and to take care of it? Because part of what I'm learning creatively and musically is that God the universe, the divine, creative intelligence, that is where, that's where they live. They dwell in the space between the emptiness, the music, what's in between the notes of the music, it's silence, it's space. So really the only thing I can come up with is a couple options. And, you know, if you, if one believes that, media, mainstream media, big tech, the Wall Street Journal, CNN, um, journalists that, that they're suspect and that they're not true. It's pretty hard then, I guess, to trust because as I was talking to this friend about some of the voter fraud things, I realized that what she was watching and what I was looking at definitely falls under hardcore, the social dilemma documentary on Netflix. And how do I encourage this friend to read read a, you know, an academic piece based off of journalism and news and, you know, vet checking journalisms who fact check? That's not going to work for them. And, you know, if they believe that the left have these ideas about morale, morals and, you know, abortion and rights for gays and lesbians, you know, it's really hard to argue with some of those things. And I think, well, why am I even bothering? You know, at this point in the game, 
I don't think I have the energy to stay here. I think I want to follow the momentum forward. And that's the last thing I want to say. That is something me and a friend talked about on Sunday. And it's been a theme in my life since I really got sober five years ago from drugs and started on this different path of uncovering and following forward motion and staying on the path and moving. You know, I can take a break and sit down and rest, drink from the river, lay under the tree and take a nap. But ultimately, I keep hiking and I keep moving and I keep climbing and I keep going in forward motion keep moving. And for me right now, my suggestion to you, friend, is if I were you, I would really look at the fact that there's more people on this planet who realize at this point how many lies have been verified by Trump the administration, the four to five years, it is a reality. And you just might want to do some research and open yourself up to more sources. And I'm not saying that means you don't believe in Trump or believe in some of the things. I'm just saying that I'm going to stay over here on this this land where I live right now and I'm going to follow forward motion I'm definitely available but I want to keep moving and I want to keep celebrating that there's fresh leadership and I want to stay active and engaged and um, anyway those are my thoughts my friends I wanted to just kind of jump in and offer a few more ideas I'll be back very soon with a full viral mindfulness episode where I'm going to talk about the last piece of theater I saw. And if you didn't see right in between this episode of the podcast, there is previously on Sunday, I published a 10 minute meditation. It's really awesome. It was inspired by Ram Dass. I am loving awareness. And um, it's kind of doing a body scan and you know, kind of looking at your your head, your eyes, you know, I am these eyes and what I see, I am not what I see and I'm not these eyes and what I am is loving awareness. It's really a cool meditation. So I'd love for you to give it a shot. And as always, I appreciate your time. I love to connect with you. You can always reach out to me um, at alexander at viralmindfulness.com with anything personal, any deep questions and insights. Often I will answer those questions here in a podcast episode. And last, um, if you were to subscribe to my podcast, um, if you're not, uh, that way you get notifications of new episodes. And um, it helps because when people subscribe, and if you were to leave a a star review where you hit five stars because you like this, It helps my podcast get discovered by new users, and I'd love to increase my my reach. And the final step with that is if you wanted to type in a quick podcast review, that would be so awesome. Just share something you've learned or something that you value or appreciate about me or the podcast. Those items certainly help. So I will see you next time. Be well.
be all about playful shenanigans, not the ones that are deceitful or trickery, the ones that are full of love and giggles and grace. All my love.